Welcome to another Live with Roy interview where you can listen in absolutely free as I, Roy Fur, interview the world's leading experts on information marketing and publishing, internet marketing, copywriting, selling, business success, and a whole lot more. You can browse the entire Live with Roy archives, download past calls, and join us to get first priority notification as soon as new interviews are available, all by visiting www.livewithroy.com. Again, the address is www.livewithroy.com. Now let's tune in for another exciting interview. Hello, and welcome to another Live with Roy interview. Uh, my name is Roy Fur, and if you have ever wanted to take a, a marketing campaign that's been reasonably successful, uh, that you're able to run at a profit in, in some online channels and really blow it up uh, to bring in tons more customers into your business and, and to increase your sales and your profits, you're going to love today's guest. Uh, I'm going to run through uh, some a list of, of what works out to be pretty incredible achievements. Uh, just overall, my guest today has spent over $120 million on advertising over the last 13 years, and that's in, in direct response advertising where the results are tracked and a dollar spent must bring back more than a dollar return for the, for the uh, spending on advertising to continue. He founded one of the earliest affiliate networks, Meta Reward, back in 1999. That business was ultimately sold to Experian for $30 million. He co-founded NetBlue, uh, which became a $120 million a year lead generation monster. And as the head of media buying at NetBlue, he spent uh, as much as half a million dollars per day buying online advertising. He co-founded Next Internet, which was uh, uh, which is a direct response incubator company. Uh, so they help startup. Uh, direct response companies grow, and one of their companies did $60 million in its second year. Uh, he, also, he founded Adex Media, a publicly, uh, a publicly traded lead generation company, he did over $23 million in revenue in its first year. Uh, he's now co-founder and president of Cranking Media, which is a high-volume direct response ad agency based in Silicon Valley. Uh, they serve an exclusive group of high-volume direct marketers. They provide ROI-based worldwide media buying services. Uh, he also regularly speaks on his life experiences as a media buyer, a super affiliate, and founder of multiple eight- and nine-figure online companies. Uh, plus, he does private consulting with a select group of business owners through a group called Media Mentors. Uh, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome to Live with Roy, Scott Ruick. Welcome, Scott. Well, thank you, Roy, for the, uh, the, uh, the awesome introduction. I appreciate being here, and I'm happy to spend time with you today. I love it. So I, I'd like to learn uh, all about media buying and, and what impact it can have on, on successful direct response marketing campaigns. Uh, but before we actually like, get into to what the role of a media buyer is, uh, how did you I, – I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a copywriter, um, and, and to me, writing an ad is exciting. And uh, what gets you excited? How did you get into media buying? What background brought you to that? You know, um, gosh, uh, a lot of it is, you know, a lot of it is luck. I mean, I, 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 without sounding too cliche, I mean, it's, it's luck with preparation, right? I mean, I, I was lucky enough to have grown up in the San Francisco Bay Area. I moved back to, to the Bay Area in 1996 and, and really caught the first wave of kind of that, that first generation of Internet, right? And um, as a result of, yeah. kind of being in the right place at the right time and having a strong work ethic as, uh, as, as, as pushed upon me by my, uh, by my Scottish mother, 
um, you know, you just, you just find that you're in the right place at the right time. So um, I just, you, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful because I, I consider myself very lucky to be, to have grown up in a, in a, in a very interesting period of time uh, in, when the internet really started taking off. And uh, you, could, you could do, you could test all these direct response theories uh, across a growing medium. So, um, you know, I, I really just, uh, hard work, right place, right time and uh, being, being at the forefront of an interesting wave of uh, Internet advertising. Well, let me, let, me, let me pick that apart a little bit, because a lot of folks, when you were getting into, into you know, the Internet in, in, in Silicon Valley in, in the late 90s, there were a lot of folks that didn't see it as a direct response medium. It was, it was kind of the time of if it's, if it's .com, it must be valuable regardless of what the company is, what the revenue model is, if there's even a revenue model, if there's you know, anything more than a, a name with .com in it on the nameplate on the door. Um, so, so I guess then how, how did you get into direct response when you were in, in Silicon Valley at that time? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I certainly consider myself an accidental direct response marketer. Um, if you go back to 1999, when uh, it, it's just when the first cracks started to happen of that first uh, wave of dot-com companies, and boy, I saw them all, you know. I mean, it was really, it was about terms like eyeballs and, and spending money as fast as you could. But in and around 99, the, the, the cracks started to show in that model in that, um, you know, the brand guys uh, you know, in the venture firms were, we're just getting crushed. All these first generation of, of companies that had spent so much money online were just, you know, had zero ROI. And so what happened, the dynamic that existed in 1999-2000 was that you continue to have the growth of the Internet in the sense that more and more advertising was showing, but no one was buying. And so all the brand guys had disappeared. So in and around 1999-2000, you had basically a glut of inventory. And so you could, as a direct response marketer, go in there and start buying advertising, um, and uh, it didn't matter how big you were. As long as your cash was green and your checks cleared, you could, uh, you could have access to an amazing amount of, of premium inventory, simply for the fact that nobody was buying it. Um, and you also have to remember that, that since the medium was so new, you literally could say almost anything uh, in, in a banner ad. And um, so you had um, inventory you could buy for next to nothing, you could, you could say things uh, that you probably couldn't say today in, in, in banner advertising. And to a large degree, people weren't really used to banner advertising. So it wasn't uncommon to get 3, 4, 5, 8% click-through rates on your banners. So, so I think it was really the perfect storm for um, kind of direct response marketers. And we really were kind of accidental direct marketers, as I mentioned. We didn't, you know, I, I probably had never even heard of that term prior to jumping in this space. But really we learned quickly the value of, you know, ROI-based campaigns and, like you said earlier, spending a dollar and making more. Yeah. Well, can, can I ask, like, what it was you were selling at that time? Well, it's interesting because the, 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 the early stages of Meta Reward, uh, as, as I say this early to people, or a lot to people, that the business you start is, uh, may, may not be the business that you end up with. But what we, yeah. we started with a company called Netflip, actually, which morphed into Meta Reward. Netflip was really... Kind of it was um, it was a it was a, um, a hybrid of a company called All Advantage back in the day. So I don't know how many of your listeners will remember that company, and um, and uh, the the one of the earliest pay per click uh, search engines, um, uh, go to uh, dot com. 
And so we, we basically were paying people to search the Internet. And once we found out that was a really horrible model because um, <laughs> advertise, there was a lot of fraud involved and advertisers didn't like it, what we came across and what we stumbled across was a uh, direct response credit card company called NextCard. And NextCard was actually paying people, uh, paying affiliates, 40 or $50 for a sign-up. And it turns out that the credit card companies, just by virtue of being expert direct response marketers, were one of the first wave of advertisers to embrace um, online marketing because they could tell you with a high degree of certainty what a customer was worth. And so yeah. we, then, we then started to work with customers like NextCard and MasterCard and American Express, and we started driving them uh, sales um, through, through banner advertising. And then that kind of morphed into creating an affiliate network from there. So, you know, it really was about kind of not being married so much to one particular model, you know, uh, <laughs> you know torpedoes be damned. It was more about just being present and, and modifying the model to kind of what was working. And that's, I mean, that's the hallmark of direct response, um, not just from a creative point of view, but also just from a company point of view, being able to kind of, you know, kind of move the company along to, to match what was going on in the marketplace. Absolutely, that 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 makes a lot of sense. Now let's let's talk about you know specifically what, um, you know, a, a, a media buyer. It's it's a very specific term, and it, and it may sound kind of self-explanatory. You buy media, but but what is your role within within the context of a of a larger campaign uh, when when you're acting as a media buyer, um, and and how how does having having that skill set allow you know a business to 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 maximize the 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 total success of of what's already a, a profitable campaign yeah so i mean when we talk about media buying it's it's oftentimes a kind of a misunderstood concept uh people have a, a varying definitions of what media buying is i mean my definition, and so, so first and foremost, we're talking about online, right? So, if, I mean, a media buyer could be the guy that's uh, buying direct response, um, you know, uh, postcards, or it could be the guy that's uh, doing radio uh, spots. That could be a media buyer. But in our world, it's kind of talking about everything within the online realm. And so really the definition of a media buyer is, is, is uh, taking out your wallet and uh, putting money down to buy traffic, right? And that traffic can yeah. come in just a whole slew of formats, right? It can come in banner advertising, email, um, you know, co-registration, search. Um, you know, we, can, we can further d- define it by social media, self-service ad networks, uh, direct site buys. So it kind of comes in, in a variety of different flavors and forms and pricing structures from you know, cost per thousand to cost per click to cost per action to you know, varying degrees um, from, from there. But, but really, I mean, the job of a media buyer is really, I mean, what you said earlier is, when you can get a campaign profitable, which is, which is no small feat. I mean, you, you really need to have everything lined up to get campaigns profitable. It really is, it is incumbent upon the media buyer to scale that campaign into to new channels and potentially new uh, partnerships and reaching out to new customers, both domestically and worldwide. So a media buyer really is somebody that, um, you know, sets campaigns up in such a way that elicits an ROI. Um, and is really uh, pulling the strings, so to speak, on on creative, on pricing, on pulling numbers, that kind of stuff. But for any good media buyer, I mean, the fundamentals are based on some simple math. If, you know, any direct response guy will tell you that you've got to be able to do some simple math. And in this game, the beauty of, of that is that, that so much of, of what's done online is measurable. 
So if you can measure it and record it, you stand a really great chance of um, not only getting a campaign profitable, but scaling it uh, almost indefinitely. Absolutely. Well, um, so so really, you end up being the guy to blame when when I'm going to you know 15 different news sites during the course of my day, and I'm seeing the same ad on all those sites for the same company, <laughs> you know, or the same same product sending me to the same web page. You're the guy that's 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 taken that campaign that may have been successful within a couple uh, a couple different avenues and 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 made it ubiquitous across across you know the average web browser's experience. Is that is that pretty accurate? Yeah, I mean- you know, certainly when we were doing very high volume, I was to blame for a lot of stuff. I mean, when you're not spending uh, half a million dollars a day, you're buying an awful lot of media. And so, um, you know, invariably, most people saw our advertising at some point. But you're right. I mean, I, I think that, that, that what's happening today with media buying, and which is so interesting, is a lot of the lines that were traditionally drawn before are now blurring. For example, we do a lot of third-party emailing. And when we do that, um, we're able to drop, uh, pixels, and we're doing retargeting on top of that. So somebody, for example, that opens up an email might see a banner ad for the, um, for the product that they were looking at. So what's interesting, you know, and that crosses over into mobile and crosses over into whole, you know, you know social media with uh, banner retargeting through social media. So <clears throat> it makes it a really interesting place to play because um, you can, as you've said, cross over so many different platforms now with successful campaigns. And that, that, that makes it pretty cool. Absolutely. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask. Um, well, I don't want to call it a dumb question because I don't want to offend the people that asked it, but I guess I just did. <laughs> um, let's see. So, so I. Everybody knows where to get traffic on the internet, right? You go, you go, you go to Google AdWords. You can go to Facebook ads, and and that's where everybody's at on the internet. So that's where that's where I buy traffic, right? I mean. <laughs> where, where, where else is there to get traffic? You, you talked about like ad networks and co-reg. Can you, can you kind of oh, go yeah. into those a little bit more to, um, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. excuse me as I cough. Um, yeah, no, totally. And that's, I mean, it's interesting because to a large degree, many small businesses were introduced to this whole world through places like uh, Google and Facebook. I mean, they were, they were really kicking down the door in terms of, um, self-service ad networks, which allowed the small business person to compete quite, uh, quite effectively with big companies, right? Because you could, you know, go set up your Google campaigns and have access to a, a ton of media. Now, what's interesting is that though, Google has changed quite a bit, and Facebook is doing the same in as much as, you know, they don't love affiliates so much anymore, and they're very particular about how landing pages look. And so, you know, they've gone and whacked off, you know, 20,000 affiliates uh, uh, over the last several years. And so, this question has become more prevalent to small businesses that have, you know, run successful businesses, for example, on Google, and all of a sudden got the Google slap, right? And so yeah. they've, been, they've been forced now to look at alternate forms of, of networks. But, but really, I mean, there are literally thousands of places to buy media. And, and, and kind of the best way outside of those two, if I, you know, if you say that, that Google in general represents search and some display, and you say Facebook represents kind of banners through social media, um, the, the, best way, the best other way to describe media buying going on is as follows. So there are ad networks, um, and ad networks just kind of by, by, by definition are um, networks that allow you to advertise on, on websites 
both in a display manner um, and a mobile manner. Um, and so there are, there are self-service ad networks. There are, you know, not self-service ad networks. And so, you know, buying, buying through those ad networks, and, you know, Site Scout might be an example of, of one, or Ad Sonar might be an example of another, where, you know, you as a small business can get access to amazing, amazing high-quality inventory for, you know, pennies in the click in some cases. Um, certainly mobile is, is going uh, gangbusters, and, you know, there's a litany of mobile networks which allow you to kind of reach out to a, a prospective buyer's uh, cell phone and elicit a sale. Um, Co-registration is, is, is an oftentimes misunderstood avenue where somebody is registering for a third-party site and in the process of registering, the site asks, hey, would you also be interested in getting information from this company? So there are, there are co-registration networks like Smiley Media that do that. Um, you know, email. Email is a huge one right now. There's the buy email lists, or you can use third-party email vendors to distribute your message. So, I mean, those are the big ones outside of, say, search and, and, and social that, that end up getting a, a, ton, a ton of traffic. Now, can, I, can I interject? Because it seems like email went through a slump. Like in the er- oh, early, yeah. two, in the early yeah. 2000s, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I know folks whose entire businesses in the early 2000s were built on, on email. And it was, you know, you could yeah. you could rent all sorts of email lists, and it was a reliable yeah. way to get new customers for your business. And then, and yeah, then yeah, they yeah. reached a point where it was, it it then be, became almost impossible or or incredibly expensive <laughs> to get new customers through email. Are you seeing a, you know, some sort of a a comeback? Oh, Has yeah. the landscape changed in a way that 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 supports that again? What, oh, no, what's happened totally, with email? Yeah, you've totally nailed it. I, I, I'm so I'm so thankful for that question. <laughs> Because uh, it's, uh, it's an awesome question. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. What happened with email was <clears throat> it started off as particularly very easy to do, and uh, there was a lot of it going on. And so, therefore, it kind of, like, stood up to get shot, right? And so you had canned spam, and you had these companies that were doing aggressive lawsuits, and there was a huge customer revolt, and so on and so forth. And then it got very, very difficult for a while. And I think Chance Spam <laughs> chased out the Weekend Warriors, and, um, you know, it began to kind of clean itself up. The interesting thing with email now is a concept that's happening to that world called data appends. And so what's happening is um, that no longer is Joe Smith at AOL.com just some random email address with some IP associated with it, but now what's happening is that email address is being um, – it's – Data offline data is being added to that email address. Now they're marrying two sets of data, right? So that now Joe Smith happens to live in Baltimore, and it also happens that he bought a Sears refrigerator uh, two weeks ago, and you know a whole slew of other data now is being married to that email address. And as a result of that, um, email is far more effective. Long gone are the days where you're just blasting out random offers to people. The email that's going on now is highly targeted because you know that person's clicked, you know what they've opened, you in many cases know what they've bought before. So um, the consumers getting the email are uh, much more likely to read it um, because it's relevant to them. They're much more likely to open it on their mobile phones. Okay? And, um, yeah. and, um, and as a result of that, you have campaigns that are really working incredibly well. Um, then as the email gets open, you're dropping a, a, a targeting pixel. 
So when they go out from the web, you can target them with banner advertising. So many people don't know this, um, that, that email is really going through a complete metamorphosis from what it was to what it is now and what it's becoming. Um, so it's an interesting time to be a mailer, or at least an advertiser so, in that space. So, so of understanding or you know, in trying to, to summarize to, to make sure that I understand it and the, the listeners understand it, um, you know, in the old days of email it was it was rent a list, blast the list. And and today it's 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 become much more sophisticated like direct mail had become in the context that, that you can target people based on demographic data, psychographic data, um, you know, behavioral data, they they, they they made a certain purchase recently, they went to certain websites recently. And and so the email list that you're buying is, is less so, you know, say buying, you know, the sharper image email list or or, or something. And and now now maybe you're buying a, a list that covers sharper image, Omaha Steaks and five other businesses and you know that these people are of a of a certain um you know, income level and have made a purchase via a direct response uh, channel in the last six months and things like that, that that give you much more value as a marketer in knowing that you're 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 reaching qualified people and that's that's the reason that email is making a comeback. Is that am, am I right in that interpretation? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You've gotten the, you've gotten the gist of it, right? I mean, I think okay. that um, if you want to further jump into it, there's first party emailers and third party emailers, and I won't. I won't bore the listeners with uh, the, the, the differentiation there, but you've got the gist of it. I mean, email is really, it's, it's not your grandfather's email anymore. I mean, long gone are the days where you're just spamming, you know, 10 times a day that email address. You, you, the, the mailers yeah. today are a lot more careful and they're a lot more, uh, they, they know that if they can get a mail out and it gets clicked on and somebody buys, everybody wins. So they're a lot more, uh, they're paying attention a lot more to the consumer, the right offer, and, um, and it, it makes it a win-win for everybody. Excellent, excellent. Well, um, so so now that we we really understand, you know, as a media buyer, the role is to buy traffic to to send towards a a, a successful campaign. What do you see? You know, the biggest overlooked, under underutilized, underexploited traffic opportunity today, where you know, the, 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 at, at the risk of, of putting you and your clients out if we were to send, you know, all sorts of new businesses <laughs> towards this opportunity. Uh, not that that would happen because, you know, you have the experience. But, but, but what, what's the biggest opportunity in traffic today? Well, I mean, um, so you said something just a second ago that is a, is a big point, and that's having a successful offer work. And, and I can't emphasize how much work that can be, right? I mean, many people, you know, toil away in a particular tra- traffic source and never get it working. And there's a whole kind of theory and, and, and uh, teaching around getting a, a campaign working. Um, and again, you know, I mean, it depends on, on how big the campaign is and how much you have it working which would then say, okay, how can I both scale within that channel, right? So let's say, for example, you've gotten a campaign working on Google, right, and you're, yeah. you're, you're still in their big graces. I mean, step one is within those walls, how far can I scale that campaign, right? And at some point, you're going to have creative burnout or you're going to have offer burnout or you simply can't buy any more media, right? And so, you know, you might start with search and then it goes into their um, content network where you're doing banner ads. So, the first order of business is, is 
once you have a campaign, what's the um, what's your ability to scale within the channel that you've currently got it working on? And so that's that's first order of business. And look, if you're dealing with someone like Google or a big campaign, that could be very very big. I mean, you could you could I mean you you could go very very large in Google if you got a campaign working. Uh, you could be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a day um, if you knew what you were doing. So then, yeah. then the, the then the next order of business is finding out where else that that offer belongs, right? And you know we've mentioned or I've mentioned some of the different channels where you can start to look. Um, but you know, I mean, certainly display taking a, a, an offer that, is, for example, is working in Google Content Network and moving it over to other uh, display networks would be the first order of business. Um, you know, certainly taking uh, successful Google campaigns uh, in the search environment and moving over to Bing. So you kind of kind of want to find their their likeliest cousins first, right? I mean, if uh, if if that makes if that makes sense, you want to find the likeliest cousin to your successful campaign. And if it's if it's display that's working on content network, you want to start to branch out into um, you know other display networks where you end up taking kind of the best of everything you've learned um, from getting it to be profitable and, and start over with a new with a new network. So um, that's I think a huge opportunity. Um, the second opportunity would be email. I mean um, email um, as we play it is uh, you know hiring an agency, take your winning campaigns and move it over into email is another huge opportunity. We we routinely take people that are offline experts, right, that have mastered their, their campaigns offline and move them in the email. So those are two big ones, I think, that um, uh, people could look into once they got something working. Okay. That makes sense. Now, what's um, retargeting seems to be like the, the innovation du jour of, of, of online marketing and buying advertising. Can you talk a little bit more about that specifically as, a, as, as an opportunity for businesses, why it's become such a big thing recently, and, and, and and help people understand that? Sure, sure, sure. So the key with retargeting is you have to do some volume first and foremost. Retargeting only works when you have kind of a, a, a set number of, of a set amount of data or pixels being dropped for your offer. But, but it's, I mean, on, on its face, retargeting is, is really um, so effective because, you know, the, the assumption is that somebody who's visited your website obviously has some level of interest. And if you were unable to sell them, um, you know, the first time, your chance of selling them the second time goes up considerably um, versus, them, versus them just seeing you blind the first time. So, you know, an expert example of this is Amazon, right? I mean, you can, you can be searching on Amazon on a particular product and say not buy it. Like, for example, I was searching for coconut oil um, uh, 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 last night uh, yeah. on Amazon. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, I'm surfing the web today, and I start seeing coconut oil advertising all over. Uh, so Amazon is effectively knows I'm, I'm looking for that particular product, and when I'm surfing the web, it's going to try to target me with that product. So on its face, I think most people understand that um, once the consumer shows some level of interest in a product, your ability to get that person back uh, goes up dramatically. And as a result, you're willing to pay a lot more for that traffic. So you know, if you might, uh, I'm just going to make this up, pay a dollar CPM for somewhat untargeted banner traffic, you might be more than willing to spend 8 or $10 on retargeting traffic because, again, you're only targeting those 
customers that have shown some initial interest, and as a result, they're far, far more likely to buy. And it it, it makes plenty of sense. It, it, uh, you know, going back to 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 um, say the direct mail world, you always paid the most for the most targeted lists in terms of in terms of content match, customer behavior, that sort of thing. And, and on the web, one of the the, the best indicators that somebody's going to be interested in a business like yours is well, they've been to your website, they've looked at your products before. So the the more that you can um, bring them back to that, that's you know, short of, short of targeting people who've already spent money with you, it's one of the best uh, marketing investments you can make. Um, so let's 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 engage in a little in a little uh, dreaming or or creative play. So let's say let's say that my business um, has been having some success. We've 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 managed to create a successful campaign that. Um, uh, Let's let's say you know, uh, that it's that it's successful on the Google Content Network specifically. So we're able to put you know Google text ads and banner ads on various websites through Google uh, to to drive people back profitably to to our website and 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 and, and bring customers in that way. Um, can you paint me a picture of what of 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 how? Uh, a media buyer or media buying agency can make my life all the better um, and make that campaign all the more profitable uh, through 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 maybe a real life story or 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 just through example. You know, yeah, let's sure. let's let's look at that how how that changes my business. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, and so the, the, that person you're talking about, um, first off, I mean, it's it's um, it's awesome that. They, they can do everything necessary to create a profitable campaign. And that's no small work. I mean, any small business is going to tell you that, that you're, you're employing a whole slew of, of skill sets to make that happen, uh, from, you know, from creating high lifetime value to reoccurring revenue to understanding the math. And so, so uh, assuming that happens, right, I mean, those, those end up uh, being just complete gold mines because here's what happens. Um, the, the extent to which you've made it work on, say, Google, right, as a search campaign, there's, there's, um, there's, there's the likelihood that two things are going to happen. One is you're able to take those just those successful campaigns that you know are working and move them over to new channels pretty easily. In other words, you've done all the testing. You're going to take just your winners and move them over to new channels. So right out of the gate, um, you're, you're going to start with your best foot forward based on all the learning that you've done. Any, you know, any good media buyer will do that. I mean, we, we, a lot of the customers that we work with um, have been successful Google buyers, and, oh, my God, Google just got off our account, right? We've been spending, you know, 10 grand a day, and all of a sudden Google thought we were a bad guy. And so, so um, you know, it's, it's like feast or famine, right? If, you know, if, 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 you're feast, if you're feasting, you want to take those winning campaigns and move them to additional traffic sources. If it's famine, like Google just shut off your account, you're forced to look elsewhere. But, but the first thing is, um, you know, winning campaigns that are working on one channel have a much higher likelihood of working on different channels. Um, the second thing that we know is that people that have winning campaigns um, know how to do math well. And this ends up being kind of a game of lifetime value. So the marketers that we work with can tell us pretty, with, with a high degree of accuracy, what their 
day one lifetime value is and what their day 365 lifetime value is. So they'll tell you that, look, um, when I got a customer, that customer is worth about, I'm just going to make this up, $60 to me on the day one when, when somebody buys something from me. But I can tell you that um, day 60, they're worth uh, an additional $40 to me. And by day 365, they're worth an extra $100 for me. So marketers that, that, that can do that, that have a good handle on the math, um, can move very effortlessly in new channels because they, they can tell you specifically what a click's worth to them. So, um, so I mean, again, we, we, we've worked with successful offline marketers that say are proficient at radio or television. And because they're such awesome direct response marketers, we find it's very easy to work with them because they have winning campaigns that you can easily translate over and we know they know how to do math. Um, similarly, if you have someone winning a winning campaign on Google and they want to move out, those are easy guys to work with as well because, again, we only start with the winners and uh, there's a very transparent flow of, of, of information that allows media buyers to do their job and the customer to make money. Absolutely. Well, um, and, and, and I don't think you would have known this, but on Live with Roy, uh, you know, you can, you can listen to the interviews through iTunes and you can listen to the interviews just on the website. Uh, but, but we do also have, have, have registration to receive email updates. And um, when you do register, you get a, a report called the magic number that brings you riches. And, and what it is is it's all about calculating, um, you know, I call it the magic number, but it's the maximum allowable cost per acquisition. And, and first you have to calculate, you know, what, a, what is a customer worth to me when I bring somebody in the door today? What are they worth to me over, over whatever lifetime I define? And then how much am I willing to spend to get that money? Um, and, and so somebody that's actually sat down and understands that metric in their business, it sounds like is, a, is, is an ideal client for for your services uh, because they can come to you and say hey Scott uh, you know I have I've been able to to you know on Google content network I'm able to I, I'm able to acquire customers at at $18 a piece and on uh, Google search I'm able to acquire customers at $13 a piece I'm willing to take some of what's working there and spend up to $22 you know per customer to, to bring them in the door, um, and, and, and where can we do that? That's, that's kind of a dream situation for you, it sounds like, because that person really understands, you know, this is what I'm willing to pay for the result because I know that it's going to be profitable to me within whatever acceptable period of time. Yeah, that's right, and that, that allows any media buyer to go out there and, and, and basically start to test media at, you know, either a cost per click or cost per thousand or cost per action, and then basically marry the two up. And so what happens then is that, you know, say, for example, we start with a client and we uh, choose a dollar cost per click. Um, so we can easily say, look, if, if, uh, if we spend $100 together and, um, and that generates 100 clicks to your website, right, for 100 bucks, um, yeah. You know, they can, they can tell you that generally, you know, I'm going to convert at 3%. So, you know, you have three customers and generally those customers, again, just making this up are worth 60 bucks to me. So then, then that's a, you know, you've spent a hundred to make 180. So your positive uh, ROI, um, uh, 80 bucks, right? So three times 60, a uh, hundred bucks spent. 
And um, then they're what, what they're willing to say is that, you know, I know that that's just my day one value. I'm marketing to those users, and after 30 days, that's going to go up even further. So when that dynamic happens, scaling, scaling a campaign becomes a lot more trivial in the sense that we can come back and say, hey, if, you're, if you can spend a uh, dollar, I can, I can think I can, I can drive you 100,000 clicks this month. But I tell you what, if you can spend a buck twenty-five, I can deliver two hundred thousand clicks. And so, these businesses become very scalable very quickly on the basis of of of, of having that data available to both parties. So that's where it and, becomes pretty cool: is that you can scale quickly with winning campaigns. And that's what you talk about in terms of of near infinite scalability, because if if you understand those metrics, you can just find opportunities uh, within all of the media that's available uh, to 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 go out and 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 get results for people basically as as quickly as they're they're willing to to roll their revenue back into more media spends. Well, that's right. I mean, there, uh, I mean there's, a, there's a trillion ads served in the U.S. per month, right? I mean, you know, I mean, it's clearly it's not infinite, but, but I mean, you have a lot of room to grow. And, and that being said, I mean, you know, scaling presents a whole other slew of challenges. I mean, we scale customers um, that start off spending 10000 bucks a month into $200,000 a month in short amount of time. And, and, you know, there's a whole other, you know, while – and you do that properly, right? I mean, like you said earlier, you're not – Spending, um, you know, you're not spending that money uh, unless you're, you're scaling properly. But there are other sets of issues involved, like your merchant account goes completely bananas, and you've got customer service <laughs> issues, and you run out of product, and you know, I mean, there's just so so there, there are techniques and strategies to scaling effectively, um, you know. Uh, but when you when you have all that stuff lined up, uh, it makes scaling a lot more profitable and interesting. Absolutely. Well, let's let's talk about. Um, affiliate stuff for for just a little bit because a lot of your history is 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 as an affiliate or um, as as somebody doing lead generation for other companies and in terms of of you know affiliate performance compared to the whole affiliate landscape some of the numbers that you know that are that are in your history probably put you at the top 1% of the top 1% and maybe then again of the top 1%. I mean um those those numbers are very rare within within the affiliate world and 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 many folks who end up using you know free traffic and search engine optimization uh you know have trouble making a living from being an affiliate. Uh so how how does this how does all of this apply when you're promoting other people's products you know how 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 can smart media buying help you in in that context and and give you a huge advantage well you know in the affiliate world i mean the best way to look at it is there's two types of general affiliates there are kind of offer based affiliates and channel based affiliates and what i mean by channel based affiliates is that that's an affiliate who first and foremost understands traffic first. In other words, they're going to spend most of their time studying, for example, the ins and outs of Facebook. So they're going to become experts at targeting and they're going to be experts at creative and, and uh, you know, uh, tracking and, and a whole slew of things around a particular channel. Okay, and then there's also what we call offer-based affiliates. And that's somebody who says, look, I'm going to bet on the diet market because I know that, uh, you know, people love diets and they spend a ton of money on diets. So I'm going to research who are the top 
dieting advertisers in the space that have affiliate programs, and I'm going to go find the natural homes for those types of people. So that's kind of the first and foremost definition of the two types of affiliates. Now, I'll tell you with experience that generally put, the people who are channel-based affiliates do better. Um, and what they say is that okay. because you understand the traffic, and the traffic is growing each and every day, if you can understand one source of traffic, like mobile as an example, or say a particular ad network that's in mobile, then um, you get the best of both worlds. You, you get uh, a channel that's growing, you get to build relationships with that, with that um, network that you're driving traffic to, um, and um, you, know, you start to work only with high-end affiliates that fit that traffic bill. So uh, affiliates, it's a really exciting time to be an affiliate because um, there's more traffic um, to buy, um, yeah. You have a broader reach. Uh, you can market uh, affiliate products worldwide, right? Some of the biggest guys I know are living in Los Angeles and buying media in Argentina, as an example. Um, you have more and more advertisers coming online that are smarter, so you get to benefit from their high conversion. And you have technology that simply didn't exist when I started buying media that allows you to become very, very big uh, and while remaining small. So. Um, affiliate marketing is, is um, you know, it's a benefit for, for a lot of people. They don't hold any inventory. Um, they, you know, they have very lightweight relationships. They get paid quickly. Uh, they're, they're true rock stars in the, in the media buying world. Well, excellent, excellent. Um, so let's say somebody's either a business owner or an affiliate, and maybe they've been having some success in Google or Facebook, uh, you know, in, in some of the, the best-known traffic channels. Uh, if, if I, 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 don't, I don't know what the right n- number is to ask for, you know, top one, top three, top five places that they should go, but, but, but do you have a, a list of, 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 you know, top things people should look to when they want to branch out beyond kind of the standard best-known traffic sources and, and, and start, you know, buying traffic on a large scale for campaigns that are working? Well, I mean, so assuming, assuming they come from the Google background, right, I mean, you know, and, and you've certainly made it work on search, you know, uh, the second-tier search engines, you've you got to run to with those search campaigns. And, again, it may not do the volume that Google does, but, you know, certainly Bing comes to mind. If, if you're succeeding in display, certainly you need to start looking at some of the, um, the other self-service ad networks like SiteScout or AdSonar, AdBlade, Pulse360. I mean, there's just a laundry list of, of, of other display networks that you need to start looking at. Um, if you have been a proficient uh, first-party emailer, um, you have to look at third-party emailing, and that's some of the services that we provide is, is at pushing your offer over third-party. Uh, mobile. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a little bit of work, but if you can make your site, you can make your site a mobile-friendly site. You have to start looking at uh, the variety of mobile networks that you can um, you can start testing. And again, you know, I mean, what I say to people is, be a direct response marketer. Go out and test new channels, but test it for as little money as you possibly can to get data. Do all the tweaking necessary to get it working, and then you can scale. So you're talking about not investing a ton of money to test channels that allow you to kind of um, grow your business. I mean, you know, one is the worst number in business, right? And this is yeah. many, many Google people found this out when all their traffic was with Google and they got shut down. So you need to, as a business owner, establish, um, you know, 
leads coming in from all different sources. You're not just reliant on a single merchant account, a single source of traffic, um, a single product, a single employee, right? I mean, you know, you don't want to have all this resting on the, from in the head of a 19-year-old kid that decides he wants to do it themselves. So, I mean, these are things that, you know, you ought to be aware of when you start to look to scale your campaigns elsewhere. Some of those, some of those are really important items. Okay, so it it seems like your core message, though, is is you know look at what you're doing already that's successful, and try and find other traffic sources that look a lot like that. So you know, if 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 you get down to like what the what the the very basic um, principle of of the Google Content Network is is you're putting ads on other people's sites all over the place, so you find another opportunity like that to to put ads on other people's sites all over the place. If you're a proficient email marketer, you know how to put a message in somebody's inbox that's going to get, you know, opened, read, and clicked on. So find other opportunities to put messages in people's inbox that are going to get opened, read, and, and, and clicked on and, and really leverage what you already know and what you're already doing successfully. So it's not a it's absolutely not a one-size-fits-all approach, and I suppose I should have expected that with the question. You know, <laughs> I'm smart enough to figure thing, that out. But. but you know, the other thing I'll tell you is that success leaves clues, right? And, and, you, and you're not likely to be the first guy to cross over to those channels. And the, and the beauty of this thing is that, that you know, so much data is available to you with, um, you know, with tools like AdBeat as an example. I mean, you can reverse engineer. You know, so, so if you're a guy crossing over, there's probably somebody else already over there that you want to be able to copy or emulate, right? So, I mean, you know, I, there's very few original new ideas online, and so people get hung up about copying. But what you want to do is reverse engineer somebody who's already doing it. Right? So you can look at their creative strategy. You can look at their placement. You can look at their landing page strategy. So a lot of the playbook is already done for you because it's, it's, it's likely that you're not going to be the first, I don't know, for example, health yeah. and beauty guy to go from Google over to SiteScout. I mean, it's, you're, just not, you're not going to be the first one. So the door's, the door's already been kicked open for you. It's your job to basically figure out who kicked it open, who's the 900-pound gorilla in your space, and reverse engineer what's made them successful. Um, so, yeah, this you know, isn't not, yeah, it's, it's not rocket science. Not, it's not. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say it's not that different from you know, let's say you're you're you work for a watch company and and you're starting to sell watches by direct response via magazine ads. You know, the 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 easiest thing you can do is is go down to your local bookstore that has the the largest magazine rack and, you know, page through every single magazine to try and find your competitors because, you know, I, I happen to know that, that watches are sold via, via direct response or mail order through magazines on, uh, you know, in, on just a huge scale. And so what you do is, is you find the, the other competitors that are obviously tracking the results of, of their advertising and, and look at where they consistently show up. And, and you can do the same thing through other ad networks. Um, yeah, and, or, and the, beauty, the beauty of online versus, say, a magazine is that with a magazine, you can kind of see the front-end creative, right? You can see what the, the messaging they're using. And I, I love, like, online, mag, uh, like um, I find some of the watch copywriting in magazines just to be awesome. I mean, I just, I'm a total fan of direct response copy. Um, but to a large degree, that's what you know, right? You know that copy, and you might call the 800 number and get a sense of how they do it, but the beauty of it online is not only do you know that, 
right? But you know the magazines are advertising in. So you can, you can see without having to pick up 30 magazines, right, online, where this 900-pound gorilla is advertising, like where exactly they're advertising, not just the creative they're using, the landing page they're using, how frequently it's being shown. So you get the chance to use a ton more data online than you would, say, um, you know, a traditional uh, direct response, um, you know, medium, say, radio, television, you know, newspaper, magazine, stuff like that. So I think that's the real kind of hidden gem in all of this is you get a lot of the playbook given to you already. Absolutely. That makes, that makes tons of sense. Um, so, you know, let's say as, as, we're, as we're reaching time to wrap up here, let's say that, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to start testing new media sources for one of my projects or products or campaigns. And, and, and I'm, I'm gung-ho. I want to go out and, and start taking action today. Uh, what's, the, what's the biggest mistake that I'm most likely to make in your experience in, 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 in trying to become more proactive with, with buying media? Okay, so the, the biggest mistake that you're most likely to make is as follows. In your excitement to <laughs> scale a winning campaign, what you're likely to do is open up three or four different ad accounts with multiple ad networks, and you're likely to keep them uncapped so that you might spend three, four, five hundred bucks a day without really testing. So what's like the biggest mistake is that you're going to likely, in your, in your excitement to do all this stuff, be testing multiple um, channels, let's just call them ad networks for, for argument's sake. You'll have multiple creatives going in there, um, and you'll be, um, you'll be running all this stuff um, with, with, with not, uh, say, a budget put in mind. So, you know, you'll wake up the next day and you'll have impressions and you'll have clicks, um, but you, you'll be doing it over multiple networks and you'll have no real idea what the heck's going on. And, boy, you might have also spent a 1000 bucks not knowing what's going on. So in, in people's excitement, what they do is they don't just focus. If you can just simply focus on taking a winning campaign, launching it in one new channel, and learning all of the intricacies of that channel that um, will take you some time to learn and stick with that until you can figure that one out. I mean, you know, look, Google, you didn't get Google right away either. So um, stick with one channel. Keep your, keep your spend as low as you possibly can. Look at how that channel reacts differently than other channels, and then make the appropriate changes. So people just try to do too much too fast. And as a result, they're unable to measure what's making the difference, either positively, why a campaign is working, or negatively, why it's not working. So Focus, focus, focus. It's, it's boring to say that, but it's, it's the best piece of advice I can give. Well, it's, it's, it's not too far off from um, one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received and, 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 and now give just regarding Google in particular. One of the best things that you can do, you know, if you're trying to learn AdWords is not to set up 15 different campaigns with different landing pages and, right, you know, 20, right. 20 keywords in each ad group and, and, and all of that. Uh, you know, you you do everything you can to own a single keyword, a single you know I, I, isolated traffic source. Um, you know, in, in in Google's case, that's that's people searching for the same word, um, and 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 you do everything you can to really understand how that works and to optimize that, and then you go to another keyword and another keyword and another keyword. Um, 
with that same approach and and you know not not only does that you know prevent you from making a big expensive mistake i feel like it's a your your result in terms of what you learn is far better um you know what you learn about that about about your traffic about your about the people coming to your website about the people who are becoming your customers is far better and more useful moving forward into the future uh, than than taking that scatter shot approach because when you take a you know when you take a shotgun approach versus a rifle approach sure you may have you may have done you know created some campaigns at a profit and all of that but but you don't really understand how to replicate it um, whereas whereas when you when you to approach it with a lot of focus, you learn some important lessons there. So, um, Scott, I, I talked a little bit about what you're doing uh, with Cranking Media and with Media Mentors at the very beginning of this call. Uh, you, you do work with, with, it sounds like, a very small group of, of, of private clients, um, yeah, folks who, who really want to take their media m- media buying and, and 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 crank it up to a to a very high level um, to to maximize their success. Can you give uh, a couple minute commercial for what it is you do, um, including where folks can can learn more and and reach out to you? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I I, I oftentimes ask myself this question after 13 years. You know, I mean, what what is it that I exactly do, right? Uh, it's, it's, um, <laughs> You know, because you know, having to describe this to a whole set of people, it's you know, it's it's interesting to to figure out what, what what do you do so well. And I'd say this: I mean, I can solve problems, and I solve problems really at two levels. So, for for those successful businesses that um, you know get it and are already spending media successfully, I can solve a problem for them, which is getting them more customers. And and I and I can do that two ways. One is we have an agency called Cranking Media, um, and and um, we can take what's working and make it work a lot better um, with driving a lot more customers. And also, there's a second part of my business, which is helping people understand it, and that's more of the consulting end of it. So if you do want to do it yourself or you, you, you have questions. So, um, and then, you know, there, there's also people that, that, um, that are just starting out. You know, I mean, I solve problems for them too um, when it comes to buying their first set of media scaling. So, so generally put, um, people can go to scottruick.com, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, scott, R-E-W-I-C-K, scottruick.com, as a starting point. Um, and it's there where really I can kind of bucket you into a, a couple of different buckets that help you along the way. So if, it's, um, if you're someone who's just starting out to have a pretty good handle on things and just need uh, one-on-one support or more of a group, co- a group coaching dynamic, I can help problem solve there. Um, if, if you're more of a company that's doing quite well and uh, Google just shuts you down, as an example, I hear that all the time, or you want to explore new channels, then I can push you along in, in a different channel there, whether it be cranking media or, uh, you know, helping you out along the way. So scottruick.com ends, ends up being the best place for people to start that journey. Uh, journey. If they tell me a little bit about themselves, it allows me to kind of point them in the right direction, uh, so to speak. Okay. Well, that, that sounds great, and uh, I, certainly, I certainly appreciate uh, the insight that you've, you've given me here because, 
you know, as I talk to folks, I'm, I'm connected locally within the entrepreneurial community. I, I, I have a lot of clients within the publishing industry. And uh, one of the things that it seems like everybody falls short on is really understanding, um, you know, where to go to start bringing in a lot uh, more traffic when they have something that's working. And, and um, while there's, there's, there's certainly a lot more that can be covered, uh, you know, this is, this is a great introduction and, and pointer towards where to go to, to learn more and, and to get started. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate and feel like I've gotten a lot of, out of this hour, and I hope my listeners have too. Um, so I'm just I'm going to repeat the website, Scott, um, just, just to make sure folks have it. Uh, so if you're listening and, 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 and want to, you can grab a pen or, or start typing. Uh, again, that's scottruick.com, and it's all one word, no dashes or anything like that. S-C-O-T-T-R-E-W-I-C-K.com, scottruick.com. And, uh, and so, Scott, thank you very much for, for participating in this Live with Roy interview. Well, it's my pleasure. I mean, I just want to add that, that a lot of people find themselves in that situation of, of not knowing where to go, and it's because, you know, there's so much information out there and the space moves so quickly. So where I can help is, is providing somebody who's been there and done that and push you along the way. So it's, it's my pleasure to join you today, and hopefully some of this information was, uh, was useful to people. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. And, and uh, to all my listeners, thank you again uh, for listening to another Live with Roy interview. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Hey there, this is Roy Fur, and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to another Live with Roy interview. If you haven't already joined us, I encourage you to drop everything and go to www.livewithroy.com. Join us today and you'll get first priority notification when new interviews are posted and ready for you to listen. This is the single best way for you to get access to all the new interviews I post with the world's leading experts on information marketing and publishing, internet marketing, copywriting, selling, business success, and a whole lot more. I'll even send you a free gift by email right away when you join now. It costs you nothing but your name and email address, and the content you'll get could be transformational to your life and business. All you have to do is go to www.livewithroy.com and join us now. Again, that's www.livewithroy.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you again soon.